if your innovation is customer led as opposed to competitor led customers money is more important and better than the investors money you are listening to prime venture partner podcast where we bring you impactful moments from the lives of entrepreneurs new cxos and investors who are playing a key role in building digital india Good afternoon and welcome to the Prime Venture Partners podcast. Today it is an honor and privilege to have with us Sanjeev Bichandani, founder and vice chairman of InfoEdge Group, the parent company for nokri.com. Sanjeev, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me Amit. Thank you so much. So Sanjeev, let's get on with it. I think the way you guys started Nokri and one of the things that still sticks with me even after all these years is how little capital you had raised. back in the day right it was about 7 uh, crores which at, at that time was 1.7 million dollars even lesser now so maybe you can talk a little bit about the starting of nokri and the you know capital efficiency that you were thinking about as you built that business of course things have changed since uh, with respect to other companies and the internet ecosystem yeah so look i quit my job in 1990 and uh, for the first 7 years uh, we drifted into a whole lot of small things many different things teaching training reports databases salary surveys and so on whatever came our way to survive and we were bootstrapping right and in 97 we launched uh, nokri as one more small idea or seemingly small idea among a string of uh, small things we'd done we just simply took jobs from newspapers around the country and put them in our own words on the website and launched it we had no money there was no venture capital in those days or very little i had never heard of it i had never actually met a venture capitalist so really you had to you know sort of live on customer money so you had to sell to survive and break even right and uh, that's how we started and i think those 10 years of bootstrapping of which the last 3 years nokri was bootstrapping i think that taught us a lot so capital efficiency was built into our dna simply because we didn't have a choice we had to make do with less and we had to get customer money to survive and that got sort of imprinted in our dna and when we raised money which at that time we thought was a lot of money in hindsight of course it's a very little money compared to what startups get today we figured that we had to do it all in 7.29 crores which is what we had raised from icic venture in april 2000 and we got lucky you know shortly after we raised money or we signed the agreement maybe within two weeks the market melted down the dot com bubble burst and quite honestly you know we didn't have time to spend the money foolishly we simply put it in fixed deposit in the bank and said okay what do we do from here we tore up the business plan on which we raised the money and said rethink reboot what do we do from here and uh, this is the only money we'll ever get we knew that and we've got to break even on this grow the company on this and this is it so when you don't have a choice and you don't have options you do it the way you got to do it very interesting that we're sitting here in this uh, covid time frame and a lot of entrepreneurs who are probably listening to this podcast are also in the situation where either they don't have enough money or uh, maybe they have le- you know lesser money than they anticipated but yet i'm seeing that this is actually leading to some positive behavior in terms of unit economics in terms of capital efficiency in terms of managing it so uh, clearly here you are hearing it from uh, one of the legendary entrepreneurs that necessity is the mother of invention right so you have to figure it out now on the flip side sanjeev a lot of companies have raised and raised lots of money right and i remember you vividly as one of the active board members on make my trip in the from the early days as well as zomato where you are an investor and a board member Uh, so can you talk about the new kind of world companies perhaps right that are also doing well but with a different uh, path so look times have changed um, that was the year 2000 this is 2020 this is 20 years later 
clearly in the intervening period, especially last 10 years, access to capital has multiplied manifold. Equally importantly, competition has increased and even competition has access to capital. So even if you want to do it with less money, you know, chances are your competition will get, raise more money than you and then force you to spend that kind of money. But having said that, uh, my recommendation would still be while you should raise money, you should spend it carefully and spend money as if it's the last money you'll ever have. And focus a lot on innovation, customer satisfaction, uh, building IP, building a network effect so that uh, you can't be beaten by money. So if capital is your competitor's only strategy and you've built a good network effect to defend your business, I think you're in a good position. Uh, but right now, in the midst of this COVID crisis, I would say, number one, first assess your situation, which is what's your runway? How much money do you have? Now, if you're fortunate in having just raised the money and uh, haven't yet built up high cost structures, you're very lucky you can pivot very fast. On the other hand, if you've built this um, you know, large workforce, high cost structures, it's painful to, to sort of sack people. It is painful to scale down. It's painful to pivot. If you, know, if you are in that sort of situation, then you have a harder task. But either way, I would say conserve cash and focus on revenue, focus on cash flow, focus on the customer. So Sanjeev, one of the things I remember vividly, I've heard you speak at some event many years ago, saying one of the critical things in a consumer business in particular is, you know, organic demand. And and you often cited both Nokri and Zomato as two of the maybe 15 or 20 businesses that you've been involved in over the years, either as an investor or, or mentor or, or as an entrepreneur that have this notion of organic demand. So does organic demand just sort of go through the roof when people are just raising money and burning money and marketing, discounting, etc.? How do you get that early sort of assessment of real demand in this era? So, look, if you are solving an unsolved problem, if you are first mover and solving an unsolved problem, chances are you won't have to sell. The customer will buy. Right? It happened in Opry. And, you know, you get an idea of unsolved problems from just observing customers talking to them, you know, what we call deep customer insight. So I got the idea of Nokri way back in 1989-90 when I was in my last job in a company that is now called GlaxoSmithKline and then it was called HMM. I was in the marketing department and I was working on a brand called Holix. And uh, there was an open hall where the marketing team would sit, maybe 8, 10 people, 12 people, all of whom were highly qualified from the IIMs and who were in marketing job in a multinational corporation, FMCG. So this is 89-90. This is pre-liberalization. Delhi had just two companies, two MNCs, which were in consumer marketing. And so if you wanted Delhi, you wanted an MNC, you wanted consumer marketing, uh, and you wanted marketing, not sales, uh, you were probably in the best job you could be in. And yet I noticed that when the office copy of Business India would come in, everybody would read it from the back. right? And because there were 35 to 40 pages of appointment ads at the back of Business India in those days. It was the number one appointment ad medium for, for professional managers. Now, I found it strange behavior because I said, look, I thought people bought magazines to read the articles, but here are the guys just reading the ads and they're discussing the ads and talking about jobs all the time. And they're in the best job they can be. So it's not as if they're looking. And that's when I realized that, look, jobs are a high interest category of information. And seven years later, that insight came back to me when I saw the internet for the first time. And uh, when we launched Nokri, saying that, listen, jobs are a high interest category of information. Let's just aggregate jobs from all published sources and, and put them out and see what happens. And sure enough, traffic came without us having to advertise. We had no money to advertise anyway. But traffic came, people began to apply, people began to apply from Nokri, then uh, recruiters got to know about us, they began to put their jobs on Nokri directly, and that's how the virtuous circle was built up. Likewise, it was based on a customer insight, 
likewise, uh, one of the first questions I asked Dipinder Goel of Zomato when I first met him, where did you get this idea from? Ye idea kahan se aya? Basically, uh, at that stage, Zomato was called Foodie Bay and it was a restaurant listing site. But they had all the menu cards. They were the only one of the menu cards. Right? And uh, because of which I would visit them, my son would visit them, Hitesh would visit them, and we would discuss. Right? And that's when we got the idea, why don't we look at Zomato uh, or Foodie Bay for investment? So that's when I reached out to the Pindar Goel. I didn't know him from before. Just sent him a cold email. He came and met me. And uh, I said, where did you get the idea from? And he said, look, I was working in Bain Consulting in Gurgaon. And it was an office where there were a large number of young people working, mostly male, many of them single. They would work late nights. There was an office cafeteria that did not serve lunch, but you could get your own food. And to make life easy, uh, the admin team had put in one file folder all the takeaway menu cards of all the restaurants that would deliver there. And Dipita said there would be a long line at 1 p.m. in order to access that file folder in the cafeteria. And I used to get impatient. So I came one Saturday and I scanned all the menu cards and put them up on my office, my personal page on the office internet. And within two days, the IT infra guy came to me and said, hey, what have you done? Why is all the internal traffic going to your page? And he said, that's when the penny dropped. And I realized that aggregation of menu cards has got value. And so on weekends, he went out and he aggregated menu cards of all, what, maybe 800 restaurants all over Delhi, NCR. And he launched the site Foodie Bay and it immediately began to get traffic because people valued menu cards. So it was based on that insight that if you aggregate menu cards, you will get traffic that uh, Foodie Bay, which is now called Zomato, was launched. So really, you know, if you want what we call natural traction, that you're getting traffic without advertising, you're getting repeated traffic, you're getting positive word of mouth, it's going viral, you've got to be solving a, an unsolved problem or hitting a hot button. If you hit a hot button, half your success is ensured. You don't have to spend money to get traffic. And that's a big one. So I would say look for customer insight, talk to customers, meet customers, observe customers. Maybe you're a customer yourself. Maybe it's your own pain point you're solving. But either way, you have to have customer insight. So I would say customer insight is key. Absolutely. Let's build on that. You said several things there, uh, Sanjeev, right? So one is deep customer insights and there's the original one. And then as you build the company, right, whether it is an Okri or a Zomato or what have you. Uh, and in particular, you said you talked about a couple of things, right? One is more on the innovation side and building moats and then continue to solve interesting customer problems. And the second is managing your cost structure. So can you talk about customer insight on an ongoing basis, right? There's the initial spurt and initial organic demand. So look, the original idea of Nokri was simple in 97. Take jobs from newspapers from around the country, rehash them in your own words and put them up and you get traffic. Once traffic came, people began to apply. Once people began to apply from Nokri, recruiters began to hear about us and began to contact us directly and say, hey, I've not advertised, but uh, can you take these jobs and put them up? And that's when you began to charge. And that's how we got a revenue model. Now, all this is fine. Uh, you know, so in the beginning, you know, you had a couple of good ideas, you did them. You did a reasonable job of executing them. I wouldn't say outstanding, but reasonable. And you hit a hot button. But over time, you've got to keep on listening to the customer. So when we raised venture capital in the year 2000, we said, hey, why not add a field sales force and go out and meet clients? We were earlier selling by direct mail. And so we began to hire field sales people. And, uh, you know, within a year or so, we had over 100. Within two years, we had over 200 across nine, nine or 11 offices around the country. And what we did at that time was that we started a Yahoo group of all the salespeople and the tech people and the product people and the senior management. And we told the salespeople, whatever the customer tells you, you please put it out on this group. 
So we have 200 sales guys, each posting messages. I met this customer. He's happy with the product, but he's saying, why don't you add this feature? What about this? You know, this is not solving this problem. So we were getting continuous feedback from clients, from customers, from the salespeople saying this is what happened today, right? And that gave us a repository of ideas. And if the same idea was coming from 8, 10, 12 different people consistently, we would go out and execute it. And therefore, essentially, customers are telling us what to do and what they wanted, and we just did it. Okay, and that's how the product improved all the time. And so a lot of the you know, subsequent innovations that we did, you know, was simply customer feedback and almost live customer feedback, same day feedback, next day feedback from salespeople on this Yahoo group saying it's a simple idea, but it really gave us a lot of new ideas on how to, on, on product improvement, which we, which we executed well. That is a wonderful hack. I, I think I'm going to try and recommend every entrepreneur try that saying crowdsource customer feedback on a real time basis and, and use that. How about building moats and, and defensibility into your business, right? Because things keep changing all the time in tech. So look, if you have a good network effect going for you, it's going to be hard to dislodge you as an incumbent. And what is our network effect? We've got the most jobs. Therefore, we get the most traffic. I think this is crucial. This is where the customer insight comes in, that people want to know about jobs. So make sure you get the most jobs. Now, getting the most jobs means it impacts a lot of your strategies. For example, it impacts your pricing strategy. So to get the most jobs, first we were taking jobs free from newspapers. Then when we began to charge, in addition to that, we said we priced it really low, 350 rupees a single job listing or 6,000 rupees annual subscription, unlimited number of jobs in the year. Because our goal was to get the most jobs because that's what would get us traffic. We knew about that. And if we didn't have that customer insight, we would not have adopted that pricing strategy. So we've got the most jobs, therefore we get the most traffic. We get the most traffic, therefore we get the most response. We get the most response, therefore we get the most clients. We get the most clients, therefore we get the most jobs. And it's a virtuous circle that snowballs in our favor. Now, competition came in, right? But they didn't have this insight. So they priced their listing 10x of ours. And they simply wouldn't get enough jobs. Now, if you wouldn't get enough jobs, you had to advertise a lot to get traffic. And then you wouldn't get repeat traffic because you didn't have enough jobs. So without this insight informing our strategy, we would not have been able to build this virtual circle, this network effect. And once we have this network effect, the truth is in media markets and, you know, job listings, jobs classifieds is a media market. In media markets, it's well known that it's a winner-take-all market. And uh, the number one will get 70% of the revenue, the number two will get 25%, and the three, four, and five will fight for 5%. But when it comes to profit in the industry, number one who's got 70% of the revenue will get about 120, 130% of profits. Nobody else will make money. Now, if you're making money, you can reinvest that money into sales teams, into servers, technology, new product, innovation, advertising, customer service, all those things, which will only go to strengthen your virtual circle. Now, if you're not making a profit, you can still do it as investor money, right? But we didn't have that luxury. We had only 7 crore rupees, 7.3 crore rupees, and we had a meltdown in our hands, and we did it with the money we had. Wonderful. You also did one very unique thing, I think, which is that looking at basically international competition, right? A lot of times people say, hey, the Google of, you know, India is going to be Google or the Facebook of India is going to be Facebook. You guys had, you know, Monster, you guys had LinkedIn later, you had so many other international, you know, in theory, it's a, it's a online digital marketplace, right? And, and, and you could have done it. So I'm, I'm sure customer insight was one, but as you guide and mentor, you know, the newer set of entrepreneurs who have global competition, right? Whether us, you know, building SaaS companies globally or vice versa, right? Uh, doing digital things that 
international competitors can come in. How do you think about international competition and, and, and what would you guide some of the younger entrepreneurs in that area? So look, if you've got a good solid network effect going for you, if you build good IP, if you've got uh, stuff that uh, can defend your business, then chances are no amount of money can displace you. Okay, that is the first learning that we had. You know, we were, you, there were times when you got really apprehensive that we will be beaten by competition by, by, by deeper pockets. But because we had this network effect going in our favor, we were not. And in hindsight, I think that's what kept us ahead. So focus on innovation. Focus Now, innovation has to be informed by, the, by customer insight, which means you're always talking to customers and listening to them. Now, second is that if your innovation is customer-led as opposed to competitor-led, then hopefully you'll produce something which your customer will actually want. So keep one eye on your competition, certainly. Just are you missing a trick? But 80% of your focus should be on customers and what they are saying, what signals they are giving you and what they are asking for. Because that innovation will satisfy the customer better and he will stay with you even if it means a higher price, even if it means you have lower ad budgets, even if it means you know your salespeople are paid 30% less than competition. It will not matter. Just produce a better product and better product is what the customer wants. And that's how you define a better product. I absolutely love this. You know, make your innovation be customer-led and not competition-led, right? Sort of keep an eye on the competition, but really, you know, two eyes on the on the customer. Let me ask a slightly uh, controversial question here, which is on, you know, what do you think about feet-on-street distribution in like this age, right? Versus digital distribution, right? Thanks to all the mobile, internet, WhatsApp, whatever. So look, it varies from market to market and customer to customer, right? Now, if you take a business like Nokri, your clients, the people who pay you money, right? are recruitment managers, HR managers, HR departments, corporations. Now, even now, you will not find too many HR managers or recruitment managers who have a corporate credit card. So if your solutions are going to be priced at, you know, 50,000 rupees, 1 lakh rupees, 5 lakh rupees, 10 lakh rupees or more, right? It's very rare to find an HR guy who is going to put in on his personal credit card and then claim a reimbursement. Now, what this means is that the customer behavior is that he will demand a proposal he will demand a couple of meetings. He will understand on the products. He will demand a proposal. He will negotiate price. He will ask for some add-ons here, some minusing there. And then he will pay by check or bank transfer, but usually check even now. And to do that, you need a sales force. There is no getting away from that in India. This is India. And this is the reality, right? Now, we try to sell in the U.S. When we first began to sell in the U.S., we put two people there. Nobody wanted to meet them because the U.S. is a different market. They said, listen, just we talk on the phone and I'll pay online. So that's a different corporate culture. India is a different corporate culture. You've got to understand uh, the local customer culture, understand the customer. And so India, I think for a while, at least, will stay a fleet on street kind of market. So today we've got a three-tiered sales force. We've got a key account sales force, which is above a certain value, fewer clients per, per salesperson, different kind of selling. Uh, we've got a named account selling, which is the next level. This is next size clients. And then we've got uh, retail sales, retail clients, which are smaller clients, which is below a certain uh, you know, sum of money per annum. It is sold to by a tele-sales force. And beyond that, uh, no, territories are geographical on the key account side and named account side. But you do need, in our business, we believe, and we believe it will be there for a while, you do need a field sales force. The other thing is that, look, you know, you can, if a client has a recruitment budget of, say, 10 or 20 crore rupees, and left to himself, he's buying online, he might buy something of 50,000 rupees, you have the option of going face-to-face, upsell him to maybe maybe 50 lakh rupees. And why would you give that up? So I think there's value in the field sales force. It's one of our many moats. Uh, it's a barrier to entry for competition. And uh, clients seem to want it. They want the product explained to them. They want training. They want the replacement guy, the new recruitment trainee who's joined. He wants to be trained. They want that kind of servicing. So again, it's a market demand. Great. 
So, Sajeev, a lot of things have changed because of COVID, right? Like you said, you have a multi-tiered sales force. There may be more digital distribution and feet on street is not going away. What do you think is going to remain unchanged? I'm looking across a large spectrum of businesses that you get to and the various entrepreneurs you deal with. What will remain unchanged? So, it depends. It depends how long this COVID thing lasts. If a vaccine is out by September and it's universalized, it's one thing. If it takes three years, it's another thing. If a cure is found within two, three months, it's one thing. If the epidemic subsides, for whatever reason, whether it's Indian heat, Indian immunity, Indian spices, God, in diet, I do not know what. So it depends on when COVID recedes and how long it's there for, will determine what changes and, and how, how long-lasting the changes will be. So as of now, I would say fundamental human nature has not changed. You look at China, it's opened back. People are saying the pandemic is receded and it's business as usual. If there is early opening up and early control of the pandemic and a solution in sight, I would say not a lot will change, except businesses that have been hurt badly because of a three, four month uh, lockdown may find it harder to recover. So there will be a slowdown, there will be a recession, but habits may not change. But if it's the pandemic stays for two years or three years, then you know a lot of things will change. And it's right now it's hard to imagine all that will change because if you can't meet people face to face, so take a look at, you know, people are talking about work from home. I think work from home is great. But look, how do you induct a new employee working from home? How do you onboard trainees induct working from home? How do you build company culture working from home? Uh, you know, what's the company culture like? Well, we don't have a culture, actually. We all work from home. We don't meet up. I mean, you can, that's not how organizations are going to run. Okay, so physical workspaces, I believe, will come back. I believe companies will be more open to work from home, which means that you will work from home maybe one or two days a week sometimes, but you will still meet people. I mean, fundamentally, you know, human beings are social animals. You want to meet people. You will. How, how do you brainstorm on Zoom? I don't know. How do you faff and have a cup of coffee and just go and park in somebody's cabin and say, kya chal rahe on Zoom? You can't do that. So those things, people will want them back. So I suspect less will change than people think. Right now, of course, we're in the middle of COVID and so people are saying everything has changed, everything has changed. I'm willing to bet a whole lot of things will not change. Absolutely. I think fundamental human nature is not going to change. Like you correctly said, we are social beings. The behavior and the mannerism might change a, a little bit. Salim, what if you were to give advice to yourself, like, you know, 10 years or 15 years ago, what would you do differently? And likewise, if you see a young entrepreneur starting out today, like you were in 97, 98, what sort of advice would you give them? So one of the big mistakes that we made in hindsight was that there was no tech person sitting at the top table in our company, okay, when we started out. So in 97, we didn't have a full-time tech head. We had a part-time person who we gave equity, close friend of mine. He was on the board of the company, and he would work from his house while doing other work. And that we managed with that. And we did not realize to what extent we were underinvested in tech till about 2002, 2003, maybe five years after we launched. So I would say that we were great at sales and marketing and communication. We understood data very well. We understood the customer very well. We should have been better at tech and more invested in tech uh, 20 years ago, maybe 23 years ago when we launched. The advice I'd give to young people today starting out is that I see a lot of people who are good at product and tech, but for them sales, especially face-to-face sales, field sales, B2B sales, or even um, telesales is a bit of a black box. Somebody else has got to do it. You know, it's not really my area of interest. And so very often sales is not at the top table the way tech was not at the top table in uh, when we started Nokri. 
I would say you need a combination of all skills. You need product, you need tech, definitely. That's really important. I mean, you are a tech company in all likelihood. Uh, but you also, equally importantly, need the ability to generate revenue and generate revenue at a price that's above what it costs you to generate that revenue, above cost of goods. And especially if capital is going to be in short supply in the post-COVID era, you've got to do it on customer money. What I tell young people whom I meet today uh, who are starting out as entrepreneurs, I, I emphasize that the customer's money is more important and better than the investor's money. Reason being, if you're getting the customer's money and you're getting it repeatedly from the same customer and you're getting it at a price that's higher than your cost, then chances are you have a viable business. And if you're getting the customer's money, the investor's money will almost certainly come because investors love businesses that are getting customer money. On the other hand, if you get investor money without getting customer money, you have no idea if you have a viable business. I mean, you have got a good PowerPoint and you are able to persuade the, a couple of young investors across the table who never actually used probably run a business themselves in order to give you money. But you don't have the customer's work yet. And that's a problem. So focus on the customer, get the customer's money, the investor's money will come. The customer's money is more important than the investor's money. That is a fantastic, fantastic note. As we wrap up here, Sanjeev, you've accomplished so much, right? And I know you're very, very friendly to entrepreneurs uh, and you help them a lot. So what drives and motivates you now, right? I know you're a co-founder at Ashoka University, one of the trustees there. You do a lot with Thai. Just a little bit about Sanjeev, the person. Like, what motivates in you and excites you at this point in life? Maybe a little. I love new. I love new ideas. I I love listening to youngsters with their ideas. I love uh, you know they remind me of myself at their age. It finds on the creative side of my brain, my creative juices, and I love experimenting with new ideas. So you know, I can't do it myself because I'm doing what I'm doing. But if I can um, help and support people who are doing something good, smart people doing something good, committed people, hardworking people, I'm happy to do it. Wonderful, Sanjeev. It has been just fantastic. Lots of interesting insights. Uh, thank you again for uh, sharing your precious time during this downtime. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Prime Venture Partners Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this show so that you can stay updated with great conversations like these. You can share your feedback at our Twitter handle at the rate PrimeVP underscore in or leave your review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to the show from. 